0: You know, I'm sure it's safe to assume that many of us all remember the fairy tales that our parents would read and tell us when we were kids. And if you're parents, maybe you've read and told some of these same fairy tales. One of my favorite, one of the most popular fairy tales that, that we tell our children is The Three Little Pigs. You know that story, right? It's all about these three pigs who built their houses all with different materials as the big bad wolf came to blow it down as he chanted, little pig, little pig, let me come in. And I love the little pig's voice. Not by the hair of my chinny chin chin. Come on, you know you use those voices when you tell that story. The first pig built his house out of straw and it did not stand. And the second pig built his house out of sticks and it did not stand. And the third pig... He built his house out of bricks and it stood against the wolf and the wolf's attacks. You know, any solid structure is built on a solid foundation. You cannot have a solid structure without a good foundation. It just can't happen. And maybe you've seen a building that has been built on a shaky foundation. And what tends to happen with a weak foundation is over time, as the ground shifts and moves, the structure becomes insecure and weakens and becomes not much of a structure anymore. And this is what happens in life. Too many times it seems that we just build bad foundations in our own life. And what I mean by that is this. Your life and my life is built on a foundation based upon the choices that we make and what we surround ourselves with. And sadly... Too often, every choice we make is a building block in our foundation. And too often, what we tend to do is we just make bad choices in our life that just puts bad blocks in our foundation. And then we compile it with more bad choices, which makes more bad blocks in our foundation. And we just compile it upon each other and wonder why we get the same results. We keep doing the same things. You know, Albert Einstein, you know this quote as he defined what is insanity. The insanity is defined by doing the same things over and over again and expecting the same results. You know, oftentimes we wonder, why does all this bad stuff happen to me? Why do I seem to get the short end of the straw every single time? Why does it just keep coming my way? And yes, there are times when the circumstances of life just beat us down. But let's be honest, there's a lot of times when those bad consequences that just keep coming our way is because of the bad choices we have committed ourselves to. Whether it's recently or or in the past. And today, as we continue this, this message series of four prayers we don't pray enough, we want to focus on a prayer that, let's be honest, we don't really like to pray. We don't really want to talk about it. And that prayer is, God, change me. I mean, when was the last time you prayed that prayer? We seem to do a really good job praying for God to change other people around us. But we tend to fail, God, change me. You know, sometimes our biggest problem in our prayer journey is we are more concerned with what others are doing around us than about what God wants to do within us. You know, Jesus put it this way in Matthew 7. This isn't in your notes, but Jesus said to the Pharisees, You hypocrites! You, why do you worry about the speck of dust in, your, in their eye when you, when you have a log in your own eye? You know, That's what we tend to do. We've become so concerned with the shortcomings of those around us that we miss out on the shortcomings of our own and how God wants to change us. The word Jesus used there is hypocrite. You know, biblically speaking, a hypocrite was someone who wore a mask, an actor, someone who was pretending to be what they really were not. And many of us have become pretty good faith pretenders. We do a pretty good job at walking into church services and acting like everything is okay. That we have it all together. That we're making all the right choices when in reality if people only knew my life behind the closed doors. My friends, we will never find God's true healing. We will never experience God's true best by being faith pretenders. It just won't happen. We want to experience God's best because what tends to happen is we go down that path. In so doing, we fall prey to spiritual denial that we are not perfect. Every one of us, whether you want to admit it or not, every one of us makes spiritual poor choices. And you know what the Bible calls that? Sin. Our spiritual poor choices is sin. Sin. Jot this down in your notes. The reality of sin is this. Sin is going against God's heart towards our own desires and motives. That's what sin is. It's running away from, my, from God's heart and God's desires towards what I want and my own motives. And within every one of us, every one of us has a natural tendency and a lowering of our own desires and motives. That's the sin nature that's within all of us. All of us are lured towards our own selfish desires and our own impure motives. And the Apostle Paul dealt with this pretty bluntly in his letter to the Romans. And in one case, Paul wrote this as he gave us insight into the struggle. In Romans 3.23, Paul wrote, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Every one of us. Every one of us has made spiritual poor choices. Every one of us has sinned. And in all reality, these are the poor choices and the consequences that we bring into our life. And I get this question all the time. Maybe you have heard it. Maybe you have asked it. And that is this question. You know, I get it. I get the Bible says this is wrong. I get that this is sin. I get that God's heart does not want me to do this. But let's be honest, Bill. What is the big deal? Who am I really hurting? Why can't I live life my own way? Let me answer that question for you. You want to know who you are hurting? You're hurting you. Whether you realize it or not, you are hurting yourself. You see, when the foundation of our life is built on bad choices, compiled by bad choices, it creates a structure that is insecure. And in many cases, these bad foundations are not realized early. They're not. Many times, our poor choices, the consequences of our poor choices are not realized immediately. And they're compiled and they're compiled and they're compiled. And what tends to happen is over time, the instability of our foundation just weakens and it slowly destroys the structure of who you are. And for us, what that means is most often, we don't realize the consequences that are coming our way. We don't realize the damage that we're bringing upon ourselves until it's too late sometimes. Until the damage is just too much. You know who else your choices affect? The people you love. The people around you. This is called collateral damage. Make no mistake about it. Every choice that you make has an impact. On you and those around you, whether positive or negatively, your choice makes an impact on those around you. And we need to understand that. Your choice impacts your kids, your spouse, your coworkers, your neighbors, other extended family members. Your choice makes a significant difference in your life and the life of those around you. That's the big deal it affects you and those you claim to care about. The bottom line is this, sin is the poor choices we make and all it does is bring brokenness and pain into our life. You know Paul put it this way. In Romans 6:23, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. I know we've talked about this not too long ago, but it really is worth repeating because we cannot overlook this theological truth. And that is this. We have all sinned. And so what Paul is saying here is your wages, the, the things you earn in your life is by your choices, by your attitudes, by your words, by the life you live are your wages. And what you earn are the consequences of that. And the consequences, the wages of what you earn, you do Death. Now, biblically speaking, there's two deaths. There's physical death, which we'll all face at one time, but there's spiritual death, which he's referring to here, and we do not have to accept that. Spiritual death is the separation of ourselves and God for all eternity, missing out on all that he wants to provide you for all eternity. That's the spiritual death. So what Paul is saying is what you earn by your own choices is death. But you see what God provides? God's gift. Look at that. God's gift is life. He gives life. Let's just process that for a moment. Think about that. Our path, the way we tend to pave, only brings pain and destruction. But God gives life. We live in such an opposite way because uh, the world tends to make us think that you know what God's path is boring. God's path doesn't really give you much of life in this world. You really want to enjoy life, pave your own way, but but the reality is you're building a foundation that's unstable and is leading you towards destruction one day. But God's path gives life. The most amazing thing about God's path is that He came to us first. I love this verse in Romans 5.10 that Paul writes, For if, while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? You know what this verse is saying? While you were still making bad choices while you were still in the act of going against God's own heart, while you could care less about what God thinks, he came to you and he died for you. Think about that for a moment. How many times in your life when you have been wronged and hurt by those who have wronged you, Have you gone to that person before they even ever came to you and said, please, will you forgive me? Have you gone to that person and said, you know what? You're forgiven. It's okay. In fact, let me take care of the consequences and suffer them for you. How often do you do that? Not too often. But that's exactly what Jesus did for us. You know, here's the truth. Our spiritual goal in life is to be holy. That's what we're striving to be. It's it's not just about the feel good story of what God gives. Our spiritual journey is about striving to be holy. Holiness means to be set apart. It means to be different. It means to become more like God and less like me, less like the world. And the way to become holy is to become more and more completely connected to God himself. 1 Peter 1 puts it this way. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy Because I am holy. In other words, we are to strive to imitate God. To be more and more like Jesus with who we are. In everything we do, in the choices we make, the words we use, and the attitudes we have should become more and more like Jesus every single day. And in all reality, the battleground begins in your mind. Where it all is. Satan's battleground is your mind. You know why? Because he knows that if he can twist and distort your thinking, soon it will infest and infect your heart. And once your heart is infected, soon your attitude, your actions, and your words will follow. That's where Satan primarily attacks, is your mind. And in all reality, we should really treat our minds as an investment. Um, Many of us... uh, invest in our retirement funds, right? Like 401Ks, IRAs. I mean, how many of you guys have investment uh, retirement funds, right? And those are extremely important. You watch those. You, you pay attention to them. Why? Because you care about your future. You care about how your retirement funds are doing. We should treat our minds the same way as we do our bank accounts. Your mind is a spiritual investment. What goes in eventually comes out. How often do you spend focusing on what am I investing my mind on? The things I watch, the things I listen to, what I surround myself with matters. Matters. Treat your mind like an investment. And invest on the things of God and surrounding yourself with godly people and godly examples. And watch how that transforms your life. Think about what you're investing on. 1 Peter 1, verses 13 through 14, is writ- it's written here. Therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. Keep your minds fully alert and sober But the second half of this verse always grabs my attention. And that is conform more and more to be like Jesus. What are you conforming to? Every one of us, at some level, whether you want to be real with it or not, admit it or not, every one of us is a conformist. Every one of us is conforming to something. The question is, what are you conforming to? What are you conforming to? What tends to happen in our life and in our world is we have a tendency to allow the world and the world desires to conform our minds and our hearts rather than God's heart transforming us. And our spiritual focus tends to get sidetracked when we focus more on acceptance, when our goal is our selfish motives and desires rather than making a goal of holiness. That's what we should strive to be doing. And like Paul said, we all have sinned. We all have made poor choices. And that's where repentance comes in. You see, repentance really has become the forgotten step in our spiritual journey. We want God to save us. We want the blessings and the good things God provides. And we come forward and we sing praises and and, and we get baptized. And, and we take all these necessary steps in following Jesus. But we forget one of the most crucial steps. And that is to repent. That means, you know what? My life every single day should become more like Jesus and less like me. But what we tend to do is, well, I want Jesus' blessings on my terms, and my ways. I want what he provides, but I want to live life my way. But it doesn't work that way. You will miss out on God's blessings the more you strive to live life your way. You see, this is all about turning away from my sin towards God's best. That's what this is all about. Turning away from my selfish desires and motives towards the heart of God and his best and what he wants to provide. And in many circles, repentance, let's be honest, repentance has almost become a naughty word. We don't want to hear it. We don't want people to tell us how we should live or the choices I made last night are wrong or whatever it is. We don't want it. We don't want to practice. We just want to experience life our way and receive His blessings. But by doing so, you will have an unstable foundation and you're going to miss out on God's best. See, there's some really big truth behind repentance. You want to allow God to change you, you want to practice repentance. You got to know the steps in order to receive that and to take those and to follow Him fully. Jot this down in your notes the truth behind repentance. Number one, repentance is to admit, I have no excuses. I was wrong. Can I just be blunt for a moment? Friends, we have a a tendency that when poor behavior within ourselves arises, we just make too many excuses. We just have way too many excuses for our poor choices. You know, whether it's fatigue, financial stress, or whatever, what others are doing to us—that's life. That's life. Every one of us has bad things happen to us. Every one of us has unfortunate circumstances that we have to deal with. We don't have any control on the circumstances we face, but you know what you do have a control on? How you respond to the circumstances you face. You have control, complete control, on your response to what you have to deal with in life. How are you responding when circumstances face? We all have bad things that come our way. We all get knocked down. And I'm not trying to take that lightly because those are very real situations but how we respond makes a significant difference. It makes a significant difference around you, but also within you, where you can find the healing that God wants to provide. You know, we make poor choices, but we need to put the excuses away. We need to find the ability to to admit, I was wrong. Try to say that with me. I was wrong. Say it. Try it again. I was wrong. That seems to be such a hard phrase to say. But let me just be honest. When we find the ability to admit I was wrong for the things that you were actually wrong in, when you find that ability to say that, healing begins. First step in truly accept and truly find healing is the ability to be honest with that and admit our shortcomings. Secondly, repentance is the determination to stop and make the next right choice. It's the the determination to stop and make the next right choice. Our spiritual journey is not about being perfect. It's not about that. It's about striving to be holiness and to achieve holiness. is all about being completely connected to God and allow him to transform our life. You and I, we will never be perfect on this side of heaven. This is about when I make a mistake, and you will, and so will I, whether it's later this afternoon or tomorrow or next week, when we make our next mistake, no matter how big or small it is, your next step is crucial. It's crucial. This is your block laying time in your foundation. Because if you just compile more bad blocks, bad choices upon bad choices, you're making a bad foundation. But when you make mistakes, you don't have to let those mistakes define you. You can make the next right choice and put another good block in that foundation. Fix it and move forward. But too often... In our life, small problems become monumental disasters simply because we fail to make the next right choice. We fail to take care of it when it could have been taken care of in a small environment, and we've allowed it to fester and grow and explode. And don't miss the importance of also the determination to stop. You know, without this, Four choices just become a habit in our life. And many times we become habitual sinners simply because we failed to be determined to stop. I am not going to make that choice anymore. But what happens in our life is this. We make mistakes. We make poor choices. We sin. And then we go to God or we go to the person we've wronged. And I am so sorry. Please forgive me. Then two days later, we're back in the same boat. We make the same choice. We make the same mistake. and We're going back and forth. And all we're doing is we become robots. Asking for forgiveness for the same thing over and over and over again. And what happens in those moments is you weaken the reality of forgiveness. Yeah, God will keep forgiving you. But you're missing the point. Paul talks about this as abusing grace. And when you know the good you ought to do and you don't do it, you're sinning. And when you allow the same poor choices to fester in your life, it's not going to get any better. And forgiveness is going to weaken We need to be able to put away and be determined to stop the choices that we make. You know, sometimes the guilt of the wrong going goes away. But forgiveness still needs to take place. But even worse than that, many of us are committing secret sins. I bet it's safe to assume that there are many sitting in this room right now that are dealing with secret sins in your life. Maybe it's what you've been watching on TV or what you've been looking up on the Internet or what you're doing with that other person at work. Whatever it may be, you are harboring secret sins in your life. And before you know it, if you're not careful, it will destroy you. It will destroy you. You cannot allow secret sins into your life. The Bible in Proverbs 28 puts it this way Whoever conceals their sins does not prosper, but the one who confesses and, and renounces them finds mercy. You might think up to this point you've been doing a pretty good job at concealing whatever that sin is. But please know, the Bible is very true and accurate. One day that sin will find you out. And if you don't deal with it sooner rather than later, it will bring destruction in your life. It will. Don't allow secret sins to destroy you. Sins, when brought to light, you will find mercy And healing. If you're here today and you're struggling with a secret sin, or you're struggling with, you know what, I've been dealing with these. Poor choices in my life. I just need to start that journey. Admit that I was wrong to make the next right choice. I need to start that journey. If that's you, you need a safe place to come talk to somebody, to pray with you, to help you find the path to start walking. Please, if that's you, don't leave today without talking to our our counselors at the Next Steps Canopy. They're here for you. They are a safe place to talk to. Quit concealing your sins and find the healing that God wants to provide. He has healing. He has his best, your best hope and interest, interest in his mind. Let him work through your life. To find true healing in all, from our sin, it's got to come to light. It just has to. Lastly, repentance is to turn away from our sin while faith is to run towards God. That's what this is all about. I want to run away from my heart towards the heart of God. Jesus said this when he was qu- quoted in Acts 26 about being rescued from the darkness. He said to open up their eyes and turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God so that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. In verse 20, Jesus said of that same chapter, Jesus said that repentance will be, will be represented by our deeds. In other words, We need to bring our sin to light so that we may find healing that only he provides and run towards the heart of God. This is about having another mindset regarding our actions to turn away and run towards him. And the Bible has some very interesting case studies about some people who made mistakes and fell and others who made mistakes but got it right and made the next right choice. For example, a great case study is Judas. He was one of Jesus' 12 disciples. He walked with Jesus for three years. He ate with them. He he had real conversations with them. He saw all the miracles. But he allowed greed to infest and infect his heart. That led him to betraying this man he claimed to follow. And when the reality of his choice came to light, Judas was filled with regrets. But he wasn't filled with repentance. Look what's written in Matthew 27 about him. When Judas, who had betrayed him, saw that Jesus was condemned, he was seized with remorse and returned the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and the elders. I have sinned, he said, for I have betrayed innocent blood. What is that to us, they replied. That's your responsibility. You see, repentance is more than simply remorse or regret at the way things have turned out. It is an acknowledgement that what I did was wrong. And I don't want to do that again. And I want to make the next right choice. Yet too many of us tend to be sorry that we got caught rather than being sorry for the choice we made. We're more concerned about the consequences that we have to deal with than the fact that I just sinned and turned against God. You see, a repentant attitude should really be reflected in our life. When you wrong people, when you say mean things about people, you should make it right with them. When you make a fool of yourself in front of others because of the bad choice that you made, acknowledge it, apologize when necessary, and move forward. Make the next right step. But you know what we tend to do, myself included, when we make poor choices, sometimes we pretend like it never happened. Sometimes we just try to hope that those people forgot about it and move on with their life. But it never does. It never happens that way. Or we make bad choices and all we do is make excuses rather than trying to make it right. But when we turn from our poor choices, when we turn from our sin, there we find God's best. That's what happened for David in the Old Testament. Another case study. You see, you you probably know this story. If you don't, in the Old Testament, David, the king of Israel, committed a horrible, horrible act of adultery that led to him lying to his nation and that led him to covering up his sin by murdering his close companion. And when this all came to light, David was motivated towards repentance. He wanted to stop that act And that life that he was living and make the next right choice. And Psalm Psalm 51 is a beautiful uh, writing of his prayer in that moment. Look at verses 1 through 3 of his prayer. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love. According to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions. Wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is always before me. David recognized his bad choices and he wanted nothing to do with them again. He was determined to stop and to make the, right, the next right choice. Have mercy on me, O God, he wrote. What David was revealing here was a complete surrender. You know, too often we claim to follow Jesus, but we fail to completely surrender to him. You know, at the end of World War II, many in Japan when their leader was turning in his surrender, refused to accept it. They were not happy with this choice, even though the circumstances of the war, the way it was going. They did not want to surrender. They did not want to give up. In fact, one warrior named Haru Anoda absolutely refused to surrender. You see, he believed, I never received a direct order to stand down, so I'm not surrendering. So what he did in that moment is he moved into the jungle He lived off of bananas and coconuts attacking attacking villages and those that were near him. People were scared to death of this man hiding in the jungle. And this continued on until in 1974 his commanding officer flew to where his location was and ordered him to stand down. And finally, in that moment, Haru felt that he received his surrender orders and he turned in his, his gear. 29 years after the war had ended, this man finally surrendered. And I wonder how many of us in our spiritual journey act in the same way. We fail to truly and fully surrender to the God who gave it all up for us. We say, God, I want what you provide, but I want it on my terms. I am not surrendering to you. Jesus is asking for full surrender, yet so many of us commit partial surrender to him. And we miss out on his best. Look at another section of David's prayer in Psalm 51, verses 10 through 11. He says, Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Create in me a pure heart. For God's transformation to take place in your life, it begins on the inside out. The prayer to change me. That's what David was praying in this moment. How How much are you willing to allow God to transform you? The journey may not always be easy, but his best is at the end of the road. My brother's best friend growing up was a man by the name of Ryan. Ryan was someone that I knew my entire, as someone I knew have known my entire life. To, in fact, my brother and Ryan are, are really hugely responsible for paving the way of my desire, my heart to go into full-time ministry. When they graduated from high school, they went to Bible college in Cincinnati. But while there, Ryan made some unfortunate choices that kind of derailed his journey for a time. You see, as Ryan told me, he was blind to his own arrogance and his pride and he was dealing with the thoughts of several major leaders who were committing secret sins at that time and, and himself included. And all this culminated into an unfortunate act that he committed to in the spring of 1993. See, when his heart and his mind was lost focus of his journey, Ryan wrote this letter. To so this man he kind of knew, known, he, Ryan was impersonating himself to be an IRS agent. And he knew this man did not pay taxes for years. And so he committed a felony, a very serious, serious crime, by pretending to be someone that he was not, and this this man to give him the money. A few days later, at a McDonald's in northern Kentucky, Ryan was arrested at gunpoint by the IRS agents. And while in his jail cell, waiting to be arraigned, he told me in that moment, it would hit him. He needed God's full forgiveness. He was a complete sinner. And he needed God's full forgiveness. Forgiveness. You see, I have so much respect for this man because he thought this this moment derailed him. But he did not let it defeat him. He made the next right choice. And then he made the next right choice. And he, like David, became a man who ran after God's own heart. And just this past week on his Facebook page, he wrote about this And he showed the picture of the newspapers that's on the screen. Ryan wrote on his Facebook page 25 years ago, I committed a crime and sinned against a man I barely knew. I thought my life was essentially over and useless for anything and anyone. But God gracefully used it to change the trajectory of my life and my heart. 25 years and a few months later, today, God orchestrated events such that I surprisingly met the man I'd sinned against. You see, just last week, this man that he sinned against, this man that he attacked through this letter, they ran into each other again. 25 years and some days later, this man traveled up from South Carolina, and they ran into each other, and forgiveness took place. They began to share about God's forgiveness in their life and his healing in their life through this whole journey. And they spent 30 minutes together sharing about God's love and God's grace and God's forgiveness. And Ryan had the opportunity to ask this man for forgiveness, which he gave him the forgiveness. And at that moment, they were both able to throw their newspapers that they held for so long that was so full of hurt and pain from that day away and move forward. God is real. No matter what your choices have been, no matter how big or how small, his healing power is real. If we just become determined to stop, admit I was wrong, and make the next right choice, and when you do that, you will see God's best. So which path will you take? Which way will you journey? Let's pray together. Father, you are such an amazing God. Your healing power is unbelievable. Lord, you transform lives. You take us when we hit rock bottom, when we think it's all over Like we have nothing left and you restore us when we run towards you and you bring us healing. You bring us your best and your best is forgiveness and hope. Lord God, motivate us towards you. I pray for each person in this room right now. I don't know all their stories. I don't know what they're dealing with. I don't know what pain they have or the choices they've made. But you do. And Lord God, I just pray that you guide them towards your heart. Bring healing, bring your best into their life as they strive to make the next right choice. Help them to build a foundation through you that is secure no matter what comes their way. Lord God, may we experience your grace, your hope, your healing, your best. It's in your name we pray. Amen. So what would happen if you